Welcome in, everybody. This is episode number five of Natty Talk here on Rise Network. I'm with my friend, Cade Lewitsky. How are you doing today? Good, good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's the day before football, favorite day of the week. I can smell the beers already. Friday beers, baby. Let's have a weekend. Right, yes. Let's get into last week's picks. Cade, how was against the spread last week for you? It's my best week yet, and I'm happy to say that. Uh, for the games, I actually went 6-0, and won every single one outright. And then against the spread, I went 4-2 and with the game picks, and then 3-0 for my over-unders. So I went 7-2 and on the against the spread picks. But unfortunately, my extra picks went 2-3. and So I didn't have winning, winning uh, rounds on all of them. But uh, Bama, my lock covered. Uh, that was a fun one to watch because right when, you know, they got stopped right away or uh, – I think they allowed the field goal and everyone's like, oh, they're going to keep it close. And then they won like 42 to nine. So that was cool. But yeah, I had a good week. So hopefully you can keep it going. Yeah. Classic, classic Bama win there. They start off bad. And mm-hmm. Oh no, no. It's Alabama guys. Take a deep breath. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Against the spread for me, actually, I did have a pretty good week too. Four and two against the spread. Game picks were also four and two. Uh, longhorns are, my longhorns are really, really hurting me, man. I was so high on them and, uh, they've just uh, it's been a rough go for Sarkeesian and the Longhorns last couple weeks. All right, let's get into the quick recap. Oklahoma State, as we were just talking about, big second half leads them to a road win against Texas. Cade, you are our resident Oklahoma State Cowboy fan here at the Rise Network. How are you feeling about the Cowboys? How are you feeling about Mike Gundy? Is the, is the mullet officially back now? Uh, yeah, I think it is back. I think everything about OK State is back. Um, I kind of mentioned it last week, the week before, um, just about the defense. And I saw some tweets earlier in the week, too. Like, after we did the pod, I was on Twitter. And everyone was, like, taking Texas. Oklahoma State's defense is fraudulent. You know, they got the uh, phoniest defense in the country. And I, like, didn't really understand it because they played some good teams. and They've held them to, you know, under 25 points, per se. And at first, you know, it held true. Uh what everyone was saying online, and then they, what, held Texas to one yard in the second half. So I think the defense did end up uh, ultimately winning them that game, but the offense still looks good. Uh, Warren, a little running back, I mean, he's getting Heisman talks now. Uh, but, you know, they keep on winning. Uh, this week will be another test, and hopefully we just get the uh, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State undefeated game then the season. That would be fun. Speaking of Heisman and stuff, with their struggles these past couple of weeks, how do you feel about B. John Robinson's chances at the trophy now? Yeah, that's tough too, especially, well, like, I mean, he had a good game against uh, Oklahoma. Like he was putting up good numbers last week. Yeah, I don't think he did as well, uh, but I mean, it wasn't really a great week for Heisman. Uh, it has been a great year for, you know, Heisman contenders. But... I was say, it's been a <laughs> yeah. year for Heisman stuff. Well, even last week, like, I mean, I just didn't see much of him. So I think I don't think he'll win. I think it'd be hard for hard. It's harder for running back to win. I know you mentioned it last week, but at the same time, like he'll have to have like consistent breakout games to end the season. And still, I don't see Texas being better than uh, I'd say eight and four. So I think it would still be tough for him to win. All right. Yeah. All right. Our Georgia Bulldogs defense keeps rolling. They're not letting anyone in the end zone basically this year. Smacked up Kentucky. And, I mean, honestly, hey, shout-out to Kentucky. They played pretty solid for being on the road at Georgia, you know, um, especially this Georgia team. 
I don't really expect anyone to come close to beating them this year besides maybe Alabama. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that's about it. I really do believe that those teams, and, and particularly Georgia, because of the Alabama loss to A&M, have really, really separated themselves this year. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bulldogs so far? Yeah, everything we said, you know, defense stays dominant. And uh, the, I mean, the QB play, like Stetson Bennett, like he's a competent QB. He'll get you where you need, where you need him to get you. But I still think JT Daniels elevates that offense to a different level. But it's going to be all about the defense from here on out as it has been. But yeah, shout out to Kentucky. That's what I was going to say too. Uh, I think they proved that, you know, there's not many better, there's not many teams besides Georgia and probably Alabama that are better than them in the SEC. Like I take Kentucky over most of the the other teams right now, just because their defense is pretty dominant too. Obviously Georgia is pretty good, but you know, they held Florida what 13 points. They've played some good games and their offense isn't terrible. They can run the ball. So uh, I don't hate, I didn't hate Kentucky in this game. I still like them going forward, but I still think Georgia is just, uh, you know, ahead of everybody else. Yeah, Mark Mark Stoops has just done amazing things for that program. And it's so hard to take a program from, I mean, literally nothing, basically. Like, no no one talked about Kentucky football. Like, most people didn't even know, like, oh, yeah, that's right. They are in the SEC. They do have a football team because they're just – they're such a dominant basketball school. So, yeah, shout out to Mark Stoops for putting Kentucky on the map. And like you said, they do seem to be – not they're, they're not a fluke. They're one of the better teams in the SEC and in college football as a whole this year. So, hey, mm-hmm. to also, I don't know about what you think, but I think super underrated uniforms. I think they're sweet. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Especially with the, like, shiny uh, silver or, like, the chrome uh, helmets. Like, yeah. those always pop. So. All right, so I liked those. What I hated, though, is that they had the UK in white on it because you, like, could not see it. Yeah, you got to go blue with that. Yeah, if they had like a nice sparkling blue, yeah, that'd have mm-hmm. made it a lot better. All right, huge upset. Purdue rolls into Kinnick and just smacks up Iowa. What are what is going on with the Hawkeyes now? I mean, playoff is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a tough one. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with this game. I just took the under because I feel like that's always safe when I was at home. Ended up working out, but in the first half, like, teams were missing chip shot field goals. You know, it was just sloppy game overall. You could tell, like, the vibe was different. And then the second half, Purdue just, like, does what Purdue does, I guess. According to the stat that I read earlier in the week, uh, they have nine wins uh, as underdogs against number two teams, um, which is just an insane stat if you actually break that down. I think Michigan State had the next closest with four. So they have five more wins than the next closest team. Winning nine games as an underdog against number two seeds is unheard of. So I don't think we'll ever see something like that again. But, you know, Purdue just – I mean, they, they did this against Ohio State a couple of years back with Rondell Moore. They just seemed to get it done time and time again. And I think uh, – Iowa's offense is starting to show that, you know, they can't compete with other teams uh, that have, like, just a decent – they can stop the run, produce stop the run, and then Iowa can't break it open with the pass even with the play action. So you have nothing to work with after that. Purdue just ran the show for the rest of the second half. Yeah, they're, they are super, super limited with uh, Petrus and, and that offense as a whole. They've got a, a lot of work to do on that side of the ball, which is really disappointing, honestly, because they do have one of the 10 best defenses I can remember in the past couple of years. I mean, they're, they're insane this year. Obviously, probably no one is touching Georgia's level this year. Yeah, no shot. 
Iowa, it's it's a shame because I would love to see a defense like that go up against a high-powered SEC offense in the playoff, but, well, they done goofed. They're out. Two losses. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, it's going to be tough, too, with them losing now because I think Iowa or Ohio State does lose another game, the Big Ten. So I think it would have to be someone – it would have to be Michigan or Michigan State going undefeated for the Big Ten to get a uh, – playoff team now I think it will be really tough because uh, I'm obviously nobody for me out of the west is going to make it in now I still don't think if Iowa wins out I, they're not that good and I think the uh, committee knows that so I think it would have to be Ohio State winning out which I don't think they will and then Michigan or Michigan State going undefeated I think it would just be tough for you know both those teams to go 12-0 and I don't think they're 12-0 and teams I think they're good teams but it's just hard to do in college football you brought up your Michigan State Spartans, and there's not a better time to talk about Michigan State than uh, now. <laughs> the LSU job yeah. is open, and hey, let's let's not shy away from it. Let's not beat around the bush. Mel Tucker seems to be one of the highly sought after candidates. That that's uh, that's nerve wracking, especially for you. Um, where where do you stand with this? Are you worried? Like, do you? And I know Mel Tucker has shown the tendency to kind of hop and skip places when it comes to jobs in college football. Do you believe that just after two seasons that Mel Tucker possibly could become the next LSU head coach? I feel like there is always a possibility, you know, with SEC jobs, you can't say that like, Oh, there's no chance. There's always possibility. The reason why I don't think, not that Tucker won't leave, but I don't think Michigan State would let him leave. I think they have the ability to uh, match LSU's offer just because, you know, I'm sure after this season, assuming, you know, it's looking like right now at the worst, they're going nine and three, and that's at the very worst if things all fall apart. You know, they'll have no reason not to, you know, up his offer if LSU offers him. And also, you know, he's like, like I've seen a couple times on Twitter. You know, he's been moving his family around multiple places. You know, I'm sure he's not thrilled that he would have to go to another place, you know, move his kids out of school, things like that. You know, you got to look at it in depth with that reason, too. But, I don't know, like, there's always a chance. Um, you know, I'm no expert. I'm not going to say, like, oh, he's not going or not. I don't – I truly don't think that he will end up there. I think he's building something at Michigan State. He still wants to get his recruits in to see how well he can do in the Big Ten. So, that's the only reason why I would say, you know, I'd probably – don't think that he's going to be the guy that ends up, you know, in bad Rouge when it's all said and done. Okay. That's good. Hey, listen, I'm happy that you feel that way and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> you, you think, you think he is going to be the guy there? I want to believe it because he's a hell of a coach. He's doing mm-hmm. great on recruiting. I mean, doing, he's not doing great, but in terms of what Michigan state used to do recruiting wise within the D'Antonio years compared to Mel Tucker's first two is way better. We, you know, he's clearly yeah. shown the ability to coach clearly shown the ability to identify talent in the transfer portal. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is, I'll say this, if he's not going to take this job at LSU, he will inevitably get offered another big job if he continues on this path, which I have no reason to believe that he won't. So mm. that's where what I'm people, what people also have to understand is like, in my mind, when they're at their peak, I don't think the Big Ten is that far behind SEC football if uh, Big Ten offenses are playing like at a decent level. I think the defenses always will compete. It's just can we get those quarterbacks in, even if they have to be dual threat quarterbacks that could you know, change the game 
you know, those Johnny Manzels that just come out of nowhere and they just put on a show. The Big Ten doesn't see a lot of those. And that's the only reason why, you know, people always value the SEC higher. Because, like, if you look at Ole Miss, you know, Matt Corral's a fantastic QB. But if they went and played multiple Big Ten teams, they would lose games simply off the fact that Big Ten defenses are able to get stops against those kind of offenses. And Ole Miss defense is Swiss cheese, and they wouldn't be able to stop anyone. Yeah, they could stop Tennessee, but, like, that's not saying much. So I think that's also when you have to look at it, like, you know, maybe, you know, Mel Tucker's like, this is the place I want to be. Like, Michigan State was a power – or I'd still consider them maybe not a powerhouse, but still a competent football school where, like, you know, it was only a couple years ago where they were competing for a Big Ten championship. So I think there's also multiple variables you have to look at. And ultimately, if he goes to LSU, I don't blame him. Like, that's a great school. Like, that's one – like, I think we mentioned it before, or I mentioned it. That's one of my places where if I was a recruit, I'd go to. So, you know, he's earned that right to choose where he wants to go at this point. I also think one thing, too, just to, to kind of wrap up the Mel Tucker talk real quick, I think that, you know, him looking at the Orgeron situation and like, okay, this dude just brought them – probably the best fo- college football season they had ever seen in their program history mm-hmm. in 2019, got him the natty, got him the title. And two years later, they're running his ass out of town. And yeah. Listen, I'm no Ed Orgeron fan because if you, you know, you look at his records pre Joe Burrow and pre Joe Brady, post Joe Burrow and post Joe Brady, all those, that in those, you know, besides that 2019 year, I don't think he's an elite head football coach, but no, he's not. No, you know, he's not. And um, mm-hmm. but the fact that, you know, he won a title two years ago and they're running him out of town. There's a lot. I think there's a lot more job security at Michigan State. You can lose games and go to the grocery store next tomorrow and not get, you know, a cabbage thrown at you. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, do you see like, like D'Antonio was. It was time for him to go. And it was by the time that he had now they parted ways, right? They didn't fire him. Right, they mutually parted ways. I think. Well, it was that weird thing where he got his like raise and like January fifteenth, and then on January like seventeenth, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not coaching anymore." So everyone <laughs> was like, "All right, like you've like you've earned it for what you've done for the program," but that was like a semi scumbag move. Right. Yeah, he didn't. They, he didn't get fired. No. Yeah, like I mean, he had, and it was time. Like there was the program yeah. was not good, and. He still was there. So I think Mel sees that. He's like, I got a lot of wiggle room here at Michigan State to fuck up if, you know, inevitably you're going to screw something up. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, let's uh, put a cap on our last week's recap. Talk about a quarterback that, Cade, me and you have voiced, we are not fans of at all. Uh, the people in Oklahoma don't like him. I don't really think a lot of people in the college football community in, in general like the guy anymore. Spencer Rattler, if you guys don't know who we're talking about, had his job taken by Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams just – like, listen, if the Oklahoma quarterback position was Spencer Rattler's girl, it's Caleb Williams' girl now. <laughs> and yeah, he, he, ain't, he ain't looking back. And listen – we were just talking before the pod. Spencer Rattler took University of Oklahoma out of his bio. I think with 100% certainty, he is going to be the next Clemson Tigers quarterback. <laughs> How do you feel about so that? So you're on board with you, – you think if you had to pick right now, Clemson's your choice, where are you would go next? It's just like – I'm not going to lie. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but obviously we know Clemson's having a really down year. 
their quarterback is not playing up to par. And, like, okay, if I was Dabo, do I love what I've seen out of Spencer Rattler? Do I like his attitude and stuff? Hell fucking no. But he is still in a uberly talented quarterback. And I think that, I mean, someone's going to take a shot on him. And what does Clemson have to have to lose at this point? I mean, this, they're the worst that they've been in probably seven years. I mean, they've been really, really good for a long time. And they are not the Clemson that we are used to seeing. So, like, what do you have to lose, man? Take a shot on a former, I don't know, Rattler wasn't a number one overall recruit, but he was an insanely high recruit. Why not? Mm-hmm. Take a shot. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's more so too, like, Clemson has bigger problems. I mean, their defense is like, I mean, their defense plays at elite level, but their O-line is definitely not up to par. Uh, I don't, I don't really, like, I'm pretty sure you could go all over the map with this one. Like, who knows? Maybe he just, like, says, screw it, I'm going to NFL. Someone takes him the seventh round or he goes undrafted. He just tries to make a team. Like, it's something stupid where that could happen. Uh, if I had to pick one right now, I'd go with Miami. Um, I think Manny Diaz is still coaching for his job. Like, he knows it's – who knows? Even after this year, he might be gone. But, you know, they did it with De'Eric King. So, Manny Diaz might be like, I'm not waiting to see, like, another year who my QB is going to be. Bring in Rattler. Maybe he can get us, you know, an 8-4, and 9-3 and three season. And I can hang on for, you know, a year or two more. But it's just, like, a weird situation. I think uh, – <clears throat> one second. I think one of the <clears> – <throat> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we cut that? <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that. I'll just reset. I couldn't fucking speak. You're like, hold on, what's that? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was gonna cough and then it would be good. All right, I'll just go, I'll just reset what I'm gonna say. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think there's bigger issues at Clemson than just a QB, but you know, they could take a stab at him. My pick would be Miami. I think Manny Diaz is coaching for his job. Uh, and I also think that, you know, what they did with Derek King, where he's just like, you know, we'll bring in a QB right now. We don't have to, like, work one up. That's, you know, a freshman or sophomore, per se. And I think, you know, they just toss Rattler in, and hopefully they they can win enough games where Manny holds on to his job. That's how he's thinking. But I think it could go either way. Also, like, one of the Arizona schools could probably take a stab at him. Arizona's really bad, so, like, they could just bring in whoever. And if Jane Daniels goes to the league, then, you know, Maybe Herm Edwards takes a shot at him. And the weirdest one, too, is maybe Nebraska after Martinez leaves. Who knows what Scott Frost will do uh, at the QB position. So there's, like, there's a bunch of options. You know, we won't know. He'll probably go – he probably won't even go power five. He'll probably go somewhere where he's actually going to play. Because, um, you know, it's always – there's always a good chance where he goes to a power five school or transfers there and he just doesn't see the field. And also some people probably don't want – like most coaches don't want to deal with that uh, – the off the field stuff, you know, taking the stuff out of the bio, leaving the game early after a big win against Texas. Like nobody wants to deal with that diva mentality. So I think it's actually going to be, you know, pretty surprising what ends up happening to him. He's literally, and I love that you brought up Miami too, because it just, I just kind of like made the connection in my head. You know who Spencer Rattler is? He is the second coming of Tate Martell. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's – it's close. I actually saw – I was watching a UNLV game last night. He was on the sideline. I just laughed. I was like, nice. Is he even, like he's, – no. He's throwing the ball four he's times this year. He's what? Yeah, he play, he plays at UNLV. They put up all their – like, they have four QBs. They've all played this year because they're, like, 0-7 now. And he was, like, two for four with 20 yards. That was the stat line for the year. So, he definitely doesn't play. But, yeah. One of the one of the most legendary downfalls of a insanely high rated recruit. Just yeah, something absolutely. that nobody saw coming. All right, let's get into this week's top ten. We're gonna start at ten. We're gonna work our way up. 
Kate, who is sitting at number 10 for you this week? So this one's pretty controversial. Not really, but like just based on what happened. So Kentucky was 11 last week. After this win, I think Georgia's so dominant and they played them like to a decent level. I'm just putting them at 10. I think that they beat anyone else that's not in my top 10 right here. So I'm going to go Kentucky at 10. Listen, I, I really wanted to have them at 10. Uh, I think Ole Miss is just very, very impressive offensively. I do think that Kentucky is a top 10 team, but with the loss last week at Georgia, I don't feel right about putting him in the top 10 when Ole Miss did have their win. Um, I'm sure you can expect Kentucky to be in my top 10 in the future. It's not going to happen this week. Give me the Rebels at 10. Nine, I'm going Penn State. Uh, the only reason, well, they have to stay in the top 10, um, at least for me, just because I, I still think that Iowa loss was a fluke. Uh, Sean Clifford's in there. They're undefeated. I don't, I don't know if he's – I haven't seen any injury designation if he's playing or not, but they play Illinois, so it really shouldn't matter this week. But he needs to come back, and they need to, like, keep winning football games for them to stay in. But I'll take the Nittany Lions at nine. Yeah, nine, I got my Michigan Wolverines. Uh, boring week, especially for me. I hate bye weeks. Team was on a bye last week. But, hey, necessary. I mean, we don't have a ton of injuries, but you need that rest. You need that recovery. Uh, we got a good week going up against Northwestern this week. Not much to say here. Michigan at nine. Yeah, I got Michigan at eight. Same thing. You know, Michigan's got had their bye week. Michigan State's got their bye week uh, this week. Michigan has another bye week this week. Northwestern just isn't very good. but <laughs> And it's at home. So, you know, that'll probably be a cakewalk. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan's – they're still playing good football. Um, so, I got them at eight. Penn State at eight for me. Uh, I mean, basically for all the same reasons that you said, you know, they play Illinois this week. That should be a easy, easy dub. Not a good team at all. And I mean, yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens with the Clifford situation. And, and it's what we've been saying ever since he's been down. Are they a top 10 team without Clifford? Probably not. But if they I mean, I think they're a top five team with Clifford. So it's just it's really all about his status. What's going on with that lower back? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like to see him out the rest of the year because Michigan's got to go to Happy Valley. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one, tough win for Michigan. But nevertheless, I do have Penn State at eight. I think they have an insanely high ceiling, but that's with Clifford. So it's all depending on his health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going with uh, the Pokes at seven. Oklahoma State. I mean, just another solid win last week. I think they've you know, worked their way up to my top 10 um, and now my top seven. I just like, when you think about it, like, well, how many teams in the SEC could they be? I don't really know that for sure, but I know that they have a strong enough defense per se uh, compared to like the big 10 or the big 12s, like usual, you know, oh, 50 to 48 ball games, like Oklahoma state makes teams, you know, play their best defense too, or else, you know, they're going to run you out of the building. So their defense is playing well. Malcolm Rodriguez is still stud. Spencer Sanders is even playing better. I didn't have any faith in him after last year when I thought him and Chuba were going to be a great one-two punch. But, you know, they're still running the ball well, and he doesn't make as many mistakes as he did last year. So I think they keep it rolling, and uh, I got him at seven. Yeah, my number seven, I got your Michigan State Spartans. at Struggled, struggled against Indiana. Um, not going to hold it against you. It's a tough place to play. It's a really, really underrated Big Ten team. Tom Allen has them playing very, very well. It's Indian head coach, obviously, not Mel Tucker. Uh, yeah, Tom Allen has them playing very, very well. And uh, 
hey, I mean, you guys struggled. No shame in it. It's Indiana. Michigan literally went into overtime with them last year and routinely plays uh, Indiana very, very close. Or I'm sorry, Indiana plays Michigan very, very close every year. Uh, You guys are on bye this week. You're going to need it because you play us next week. So I, I can't wait. Next week's show, be sure to listen. It is going to be very hot, very intense, very contested. Me and Kate are just going to be arguing back and forth. I got the Spartans at seven this week. Were you happy or mad about the noon game? Oh, I'm pissed. Really? Like for me as a fan, it doesn't affect me that much. But I also know like (laughs) – dude, if I went to state and stuff, like I don't want to wake up at 7 a.m. to get drunk. (laughs) It's it's also too like in 2000 – I think it was like 2017. I'm not really sure. Like, the same situation. I don't know if they were top 10 teams, but they were both ranked, I think. And Michigan had, like, a 7.30 uh, home game under the lights. That was the was like, The game. That was the John O'Corn game. Yeah. Don't say that name. You're going to literally <laughs> but, make me Yeah, mad. I was like, like, come on. Like, this like this doesn't benefit Michigan State. Like, I know they're home, but, like, a noon game, like, doesn't benefit the team. Like, I just, I, I just didn't understand it. I know, like, Ohio State and Penn State will probably – well, people are saying like that game will bring in more viewers. I don't actually think that's true in my mind. Like, if both of these Michigan, Michigan State teams are ranked in the top ten, um, and who knows if Clifford would play in that game? So it's just like, oh, it was just it just made me mad, but I'm over it now. Like, I just got to bring it out a little bit for the pod. But um, I, speaking of Michigan State, I got them at six. Uh, I still think that's high for like. I still don't know if they're the top number six team in the country. Like, I don't even know if any of these teams. Uh, six through ten, like, are where they will be at the end of the year. Probably not. More than likely not. If I had to bet on it, but you know, uh, Indiana was also coming off their bye, so they had two weeks to prepare for Michigan State's offense. They did a hell of a job uh, stopping it, and uh, Michigan State's defense still holds true. It's all talk about the offense, but the defense is still solid. They're still holding. I mean, they held Indiana to fifteen points. Um, but yeah, I'm going to keep them at six. They got the bye, and then we'll see. You know, what changes? I mean, unless Oklahoma State loses probably I'll still have Michigan at state at six and Michigan at eight when it comes to game time. So that'll be fun. Yeah. My number six, uh, we're pretty much in lockstep here. I got your, uh, Oklahoma state Cowboys. I think it's a very, very impressive win. I think Texas was fired up for that game and even a fired up Texas, they still took care of them. I think it's a really, really impressive win. They've done great things this season. I'm gonna put them at number six. Yeah, five, I got the Buckeyes. Not much to say. They're going to keep winning. And uh, I think they're at Indiana this week. I think it's on ABC primetime. I think they get the job done there. I think Indiana does hit them in the mouth to start, but I think Ohio State still rolls in. Yeah, same here. Ohio State at five. I mean, they've really, really had a nice comeback, you know, after the loss to Oregon, after the – well, I mean, the defense still struggled, but the offense is just – has absolutely turned up to that normal Ohio State – high-powered downfield offense that we're used to seeing. C.J. Stroud is playing a lot better. Ryan Day has the guys playing good. We're going to have them at five this week. I got Oklahoma at four. I do like this Oklahoma team better with Caleb Williams at QB. Their defense is still fraudulent, so who knows. At some point, I want them and Oklahoma State to be undefeated when they play each other, but, I mean, I think one of them will have to give and uh, one of them will end up losing. Not this week, though. Kansas is just – downright bad. I mean, they're not, this game won't be close. 
Uh, but yeah, I got him at four and you know, who knows what will happen down the road. I also have the Sooners at number four. I don't, uh, I'll say this. I was super, super shocked that all they needed apparently was a quarterback change because Caleb Williams has them playing like a completely different team. And it was not like, I remember watching them with Rattler and yes, a lot of it was Rattler, but there was issues with the offensive line, the defense. I mean, obviously Caleb Williams has no effect on the defense. So the defense is still, you know, they have their issues to deal with, but I don't, I was just so blown away that Caleb Williams, you know, a true freshman has that significant of an impact on the football team. And honestly watching him, and I have a question for you. Is there any way that he gets some Heisman consideration this year? Because I'm not going to lie. The dude, the talent is there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, if they go undefeated and make the playoff, he'll get consideration. I just don't think he can win it. Like, because people could say, too, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, they probably wouldn't win that game against Texas if he didn't come in. So, but even if he, like, it's just tough. I don't. I don't think he. Sure, he could get consideration. I don't think he could ever win it though with missing that many games. I'll just leave yeah, it at that. I agree. I think that's the issue is that he didn't get a full starting season. But like mm-hmm. next year, he like I would not be surprised at all if he opened up as the as the September Heisman favorite. Which is funny because that Spencer Rattler was the September. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I I think that's yeah top three for sure. I think if he uh, keeps doing what he's doing. All right. Hey, do you just want to give our top three together since they're the same? Yeah. Is it Georgia one, Cincy two, Bama three, I assume? Yep. Uh, you heard yeah. it first, folks. <laughs> that's I don't think that's going to change for a while. Well, Cincy does play SMU, and SMU is 6-0. and So, I don't know when they play, but that will be a good game because SMU can score some points. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah, while, while Cade's looking that up, yeah, we have Georgia one, Cincy two, Alabama three. You know, Georgia, obviously, after the Alabama win, they get vaulted into that number one spot. As long as they keep doing what Georgia does, and that's absolutely pulverize teams on the defensive side of the football, play good, smart, offensive football, don't turn the ball over, don't make mistakes, they're going to stay there at number one. Cincy at two, you know, we, we've talked about this. We owe, the, owe it to them. They've proven us wrong just about every single time, multiple years here. And then Alabama at three, it's, you know, we all know Alabama, just give them time. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up at the number one spot again before the playoff happens this year. So do you find that game? Yeah, it's uh, November 20th. So they will be 10 and 0 um, and they'll play against SMU. Uh, so that'll be a good one, but I still think they win that game. So I do think like what will end up happening is uh Georgia and Alabama play an SEC championship game. Bama ends up winning that game, but Georgia still gets into the playoff. So it'll be those three teams, and then, you know, whoever else wants to step up. With Oklahoma, Oklahoma State go undefeated, they'll probably be in over the Big Ten team. However, you know, if Cincy loses, I mean, Cincy loses, they're out. But if Cincy plays some tight games, who knows? They might not even be in, you know. Can't trust the committee at this point, so it's weird. I just feel like... Like, I I just have this feeling like I'm so sure that the Big Ten is going to get shafted this year out of the playoff. I mean, if – yeah. I think Ohio State is the only team that has a chance with one loss. Maybe Penn State, if, like, everyone's, like, you know, they're, they won the Big Ten championship, they have one loss, and it was without our starting QB. 
like that could maybe be something, but like I don't see like Michigan, Michigan State won't make it in if they have one loss. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting down the stretch. All right, let's wrap up our rankings with who is on the bubble eleven and twelve for us this week. Cade, go ahead, tell the people. Yeah, I'll put the uh, I'll put the Rebels at um, you know right outside the top ten. They played well last week. Um, this week will be questionable because I don't know if Corral's playing, and I don't know I like I don't know much about their backup QB. I know he came in the game last week for a couple plays, but uh, still don't trust their defense. So LSU will be a tough test. And my other one's Wake Forest. Uh, tough game. I think they're at Army this week. Um, Army's not a bad football team. You know, if they win that game, I think they're seven and zero, eight zero. I don't even know if they had a buy yet. So you know, watch out for the Demon Deacons. I mean, nobody really thought they would be undefeated. Uh, going into this week. So, yeah, that's my, uh, I guess, 11 and 12. Yeah, shout out to them. I think they, they're probably going to win the ACC. Yeah, and shout out to App State for beating the Chanticleers so I could take Coastal Carolina off my bubble. They beat them on Wednesday. That was a good game. Oh, my God. They played on a Wednesday? Yeah, it was oh weird. God, that it is was playoff, playoff baseball and Sunbelt football. My God. All right, on the bubble for me this week, I got Oregon. I still think they're a really good team. However, they let Cal play them way too close at home. Was not impressed. I mean, they came out with the win, which is obviously the most important thing. So I'm not going to kill them for it, but they have officially fallen outside of my top 10. And then, like, seriously, just give it a week. Kentucky's going to be in there. I promise you. I just don't feel comfortable putting them in there after a loss. I have a really, really tough time doing that with teams. I think winning, I mean, obviously, yeah, winning's the most important thing uh, in the game. So, yeah. That's our top 10. That's our rankings this week. We're going to do a little something different this week. We've officially reached the midway point of the college football season. And we just got some, I don't know, questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're just you yeah. know, proposals. Like some questions uh, for us, for the guys. Um, calling it our midseason review. Kay, do you want to start this out here? Yeah, I'll get them going. Um, these are just a couple of things, you know, some touch points, you know, where we're at, you know, what we thought would happen and like what we think is going to happen going forward. Um, so the first one we got is the most surprising four and three team. We got Texas, North Carolina, Florida, or LSU. Mitch, which one of those four teams, you know, did you not see being a four and three team at this point? And Look. this is it's for the uh, listeners. This is like bad. Like we thought they would be better than four and three, not like. Oh, they're four and three. Like I thought they were gonna be one and six or yeah, one and six. <laughs> this is this is not good. So just so everyone knows. Yeah, listen listen, for me, it's Florida. Okay. You know, you look at Texas, Texas doesn't have the I mean, they have a great reputation of a great college football program, but they've been very, very shaky over the years. You know, they had Tom Herman, now they got Steve Sarkeesian, was super high on them. You know, they lose the um they lose the Red River showdown. They, I was so sure that they were going to beat the Cowboys. Cowboys come into town, they beat them. I was pretty surprised by that. But, you know, like I said, Texas is a pretty shaky program. You never really know what to expect from them. So I guess I'm not too, too shocked that they're four and three. North Carolina, come on. I know they have Sam Howell, one of the, another one of the Heisman guys that is seemingly just not doing uh, nearly as well as anyone thought he was going to do this year not an established program. If you were to tell me that North Carolina was four and three in September, I'd be like, eh, probably not, but I guess I could see it, you know? Yeah. And then you got LSU and we were, you know, we talked about this, you know, you take 2019 out of Joe, or I'm not sorry, not Joe Burrow, Ed Orgeron's coaching career. He's an average college football coach at best. 
they were absolute dog water last year. They're about the same this year. Not real shocked to see them. But Dan Mullen, all right? Dan Mullen has done some great things in Florida. He's had them. I mean, they, they seem to be, I'm not going to say an elite program, but a very, very good program. And I am shocked to see them at 4-3 and three this year because I think, I think they're a better than a 4-3 and three team, honestly. I mean, I do know they, they lost a lot at quarterback with um, – why am I blanking on his name? Trask. Oh, Trask? Yeah, yeah Trask. Kyle like, Trask. Lost a lot at quarterback. But, uh, yeah, nevertheless, very, very shocked that Florida is 4-3. and three. I mean, Normally they are one of the upper echelon teams of the SEC East. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think if you take Florida out, it's a much more difficult question. But the same reasons, Texas, you know, new coach is always a challenge. You know, you, you don't expect your new coach to come in and, you know, go undefeated or whatever. But they still have questions on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense just still isn't, hasn't been great for a long time. I know their offense is still putting up points. I just don't trust, you know, they got to get something going there. And with Sarkeesian being an offensive coach, it's going to be tough for that to happen anyways. And then North Carolina, they just lost a lot of weapons on offense. Um, they lost both their running backs, their wide out, um, and they lost like their, uh, I'm pretty sure their middle linebacker on defense too. So, you know, you, it's hard to replace those four or those three positions just off the rip. And I didn't really expect them to be, you know, a top 10 team anyways. Um, I just like Sam Howell. I still think Sam Howell is a very good QB. I don't think he has much to work with right now. I think he lost all of his talent that helped him get to that level. And then last was LSU. You touched on it too. They weren't great last year. I didn't expect them to improve much this year. So that's why I'm rolling with Florida on this one. I think it is as far as Florida's four and three. I expect them to beat Kentucky. They expect them to beat Bama. But, you know, I, this time I expect them to be, you know, five and two, six and one. They can still go at that point, 10 and two, nine and three. So who knows? Maybe they went out, but. You know, Florida. Florida's not a team that's usually four and three uh, late October. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, question number two: Who is our biggest Big Ten disappointment? Options here: We have Wisconsin, Nebraska, or Indiana. Kane, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm actually gonna roll with Indiana on this one. Uh, from last year, they looked good. They had a lot of games uh, where you know, especially that Penn State one. That was the one. That- the best games I've watched in a long time uh, to start the season, but they won games and their defense was stout and they made big time plays when they needed to. Uh, Wisconsin, I, they always have a great defense. So I don't, you know, hinge on that aspect of where, you know, I don't trust Wisconsin. Like their offense, they usually can run the ball and their defense is usually good. And it's still the same thing here. It's just, they made the wrong decision. They kept Graham Mertz and, you know, they ran Jack Cohen out of town. And so for that, you know, I don't think like, it's a disappointment for Wisconsin, but I still like, I think they're where, where they would still be, you know, if they made, you know, some different moves uh, down the road. So that's why like Wisconsin's like the questionable one where I'm sure most people would be like, you know, Wisconsin's, you know, not my team. Like they're my biggest big, big 10 disappointment. But for me, it's Indiana and I don't really consider Nebraska because I never thought they would be good. So that's why I got Indiana. I would agree with you on the Nebraska side of things. I have like, I'm <laughs> yes. always disappointed in Nebraska. <laughs> it's like, Oh, not just, Scott Frost is underachieving. Mm, but, yeah, uh, shocker. Yeah, for real. I have Wisconsin here. And honestly, I was a lot higher on Graham Mertz. I guess, you know, you can include me and in, into the group of the people that believe the Graham Mertz hype. I'm like, okay, I think Paul Chris has really carved out a role for himself in the Big Ten here as a solidified coach, and I trusted his judgment. And I had I really didn't have much of a reason to because if if you looked at you know the previous quarterback play out of Wisconsin, 
you didn't get like insanely good quarterback play, but you had safe quarterback play. You know, you had Alex Weinberg, you had um, you had Jack Cohn, like you said. So I'm like, okay, Graham Mertz, one of their highest rated recruits at quarterback in a while. Kid supposedly has a cannon. I didn't really see many bad things that could happen. And unfortunately I was wrong. Mertz is just not having a good year. He's got some really, really big accuracy issues that he's going to have to work on in the off season. And it's just a really, really down year for Wisconsin football. And, and Hey, listen, anytime you let anytime Michigan goes in there and, and beats Wisconsin for the first time since what, what was it like 2001? I think it was. Yeah, it was a long, long yeah. time. That's, that's pretty impressive. And, um, that's, that's why I have Wisconsin as one of my most disappointed teams. Because generally, you do not see them down there at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, got a couple more. Phonious one-loss team. Uh, we got Pitt, Baylor, Ole Miss, Oregon, or Iowa. So this is, you know, which team do you feel like, you know, they have one loss. They should be lucky to have one loss. They should have more than one. Who you got? Listen, I ended up putting Pitt here. Um, this was a difficult question for me because it's like, you know, do I want to compare the Pitt program to the Iowa program? Who do I think's better there? I clearly think Iowa is a better team, but you know, like the phoniness of, I don't know. It, it was a really, really difficult question. I ended up going with Pitt here. I don't feel like super good about it, but I do feel that like, you know, if Oregon was to play Pitt right now, Oregon would destroy them. If Iowa was to play Pitt right now, Iowa would, probably destroy them and we'll see what happens on the offensive side of the ball but I think their defense you know I feel good enough about it to feel confident in them winning that game so yeah I'm gonna go with Pitt here I'm not gonna lie I haven't watched a ton of Pitt football this year but they were my answer yeah I'm gonna go through why I don't have each team and then I'll tell you who I have uh Pitt and Baylor are kind of like you know they're right for their conference like I don't like the ACC and Big 12, like they aren't great conferences. Like Clemson usually runs a show, Columbia usually runs a show. So, you know, I mean, I mean, Pitt losing to Western, Western Michigan doesn't help their case right here at all. But like since then, I think they've put up 40 points plus per game in the last like four games. I think Pitt's a good football team. We'll see. I mean, Clemson's not great, so it's not a great test. But, you know, if they win, if they go 9 and 3, 10 2 in the big uh, ACC, I don't think they're phonies. And same with Baylor, just beat BYU. Um, I think they're fine for the Big 12. And then Ole Miss, uh, I mean, they didn't really compete with Bam off the rip, but, like, they only lost by, what, like, 21, I don't know, 28. So, I mean, they're not great either, but I think their offense competes with anyone. And this was – it was down for me. It was Oregon or Iowa. Uh, Iowa, tough loss coming out of it. But from what I've watched, I'm going with Oregon. I think Oregon's the phoniest one-loss team. I know they beat Ohio State, which doesn't really help my argument here. However – they play in the Pac-12, and I think that's the weakest conference for sure out of the Power Fives. And if you look at it, they end their season with UCLA, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State. Besides UCLA, those teams are not good at football. So I don't really think they get a test. And I think when it will end up happening, uh, I think, well, we'll go over it later, but I think they end up losing one of those games. We'll talk about it coming up. And then they'll be 10 and two and, you know, they'll probably somehow end up still making a New Year's six bowl. And I think they will get exposed in that bowl. So that's why I'm rolling with uh, Oregon as my phoniest one loss team. That's a fair, that's a fair answer. Now that you've described yeah. it. I, I, and also, yeah, like you, like you talked about, I watched that whole Cal game. 
that was tough to watch. It I was, mean, I honestly, after that first half, I was like, how am I win this football game? And then, I mean, you know, Oregon came to play in the second half, but I, they have a lot of injuries too, which I didn't touch on. Um, you know, that's always tough. Uh, I don't know what, maybe they would look better with, you know, a full healthy team, but hopefully Thibodeau ends up being, you know, the Lions number one draft pick. And then, you know, Anything I said about Oregon, you can just throw out of the way. If he becomes a good player, I'll accept that. Yes, please. We need defensive help so bad. Yeah. There are no – I don't trust any – I mean, Corral's good. I don't trust any of these QBs. So you can give me a – you can give me a DN that hopefully will stay healthy. That's the only thing that I question. But Thank you very much. All right. Who is our biggest surprise team of the season this season? Our options here, we have the Michigan State Spartans, Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, the Kentucky Wildcats, or – the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Cade, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think Kentucky was really a surprise team. Now that I, like, look at this question compared to the others, I think Kentucky's been a solid team, you know, since, you know, Benny Snell was the running back there. I think they've been relevant, so I would never really – after I put them in this question, I was like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have put them, but, no, oh, whatever. You know, that's why we got the other options. And then Oklahoma State, they didn't change much. They lost Trouba Hubbard. Maybe lost a DB or two, so they weren't really many much different, anyways. And you know, I'm not going to, you know, sometimes I'm biased here, but I don't really think this is a bias. You know, we had reporters ranking Michigan State as uh, the most likely team to finish last in the Big Ten. So I think that's when you look at that and you look at what they did last year. I think they're definitely the biggest surprise team. I didn't watch much Wake Forest football last year. I'll just hand up. That's on me, I guess. You know, I don't know if they were good or not last year. Um, but they're playing solid, but I still think Michigan State, what they've been able to do, you know, beat Miami on the road. Um, they beat Indiana, who was good last year. Um, they beat Rutgers, who they got beat down by last year. So, you know, they've won some good football games, and that's why, you know, being 7-0 at this point in the season, I got to give it to Michigan State. I couldn't agree more here. You know, we'll, we'll have to see the, the last six games of the season, that's both for Michigan and Michigan State, going to be a hell of a lot different than the first six. But, yeah, I mean, same here. Like, I couldn't agree with you more. You said – and I heard it too. You know, people were just really – I mean, Michigan State was the punching bag of the Big Ten in, like, August. You know, everyone's like, oh, oh yeah. Michigan State this, Michigan State that. That could not be farther from the truth. They're a big-time team this year. No one in college football saw this coming. And, and it's the sole reason that Mel Tucker is getting the consideration for the LSU position. So, yeah, my answer is the Spartans here. I mean, yeah, they had articles that came out and the headline was like most disappointing teams like this year, Arizona, Pac-12, Vandy, SEC, Michigan State, Big Ten. And you look at it now and it's just laughable. Like those teams, I don't, I don't think those teams have more than one win in Michigan State 7-0. So it's just funny to see, but that always happens, stuff like that. You know, that's why people give their opinions. All right, we'll roll with uh, this week's preview if you want. Uh, we'll highlight a couple games. Unfortunately, not the best slate in the world. But I think next week will make up for all of it. Rivalry. So we're gonna next week. Yeah, that that'll be. I already looked at some of those games, even outside of like the two big Big Ten games. Uh, the SEC has some fun matchups too, so we'll have a lot to talk about. All right, we'll get us. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be fine. Um, this week's preview. We'll start off with Wisconsin at number twenty-five Purdue. Purdue coming off that big win. This is three o'clock game. I got the Badgers minus three. The over under at forty. Mitch, what do you like in this one? All right, yeah, I like Purdue in this one. You know, I just went on and said about Graham Mertz and, and all of his, you know, quarterback issues. Purdue, walk into Iowa, you beat Iowa, and I really do think that they are starting to become one of those teams, like you mentioned previous in the pod. I think it was 
2018 or 19 that they beat, they absolutely demolished Ohio State at home oh, yeah. at a mm-hmm. night game. It's, it's turning into a place that is not easy to play. This team is playing hard. They're playing well. They're officially into the top 25. I like Purdue to cover the three and a half. Yeah, this is this could very easily be a letdown game. I think it would be different if Purdue was minus three instead of plus three. Like, you know, the thought would be changing. Like, oh, maybe I'll take the points for Wisconsin. But I think I'm going to ride with you as well. I'll take Purdue to win and cover plus three. That 40 is staring at me because I don't think either of these teams can put up a combined 40 points, but I'm going to lay off it because, you know, who knows, you know, fluke touchdown at the end that could, you know, rip some hearts out. But, yeah, you know, I, Purdue, I, I'm not I'm not a huge Wisconsin guy to start with, so I'd rather see Purdue win this game anyways. Uh, next game we got number 10 Oregon at UCLA. It's a 3.30 game. Uh, UCLA minus one and a half over under 60. We got on this one. Hey, listen, I know we just went on talking about Oregon Played really, really ugly against Cal. I don't know what it is. I just don't see them losing in the Pac-12. I, I really don't see it happening. And I think that, I, I, I'm quite honestly, I'm shocked that UCLA is, is favored in this game. I know they had a nice start to the season you know, with Chip Kelly and, and trying to get that UCLA football program rejuvenated and, and back to where they belong. Because I do think it is can be a really, really kick-ass program. I mean, who, did, who doesn't want to go to play at you know University of California, Los Angeles, especially if you have a good team, we'll see how they do the rest of the season. But I really just don't see them getting anything done. I, I like Oregon to win and cover this one. Yeah, I mean, I can't say what I just said about the phoniest one-loss team, and then look at this rat line and say, you know, what? I think Oregon's going to win. Vegas obviously knows something. I think everyone's going to jump all over Oregon. I got to go with UCLA. I think if UCLA can play some defense, um, you know, I think they can win this game by a decent margin. I think their offense is that good to where um, they'll be able to roll. So I'm going to go with UCLA to win and cover. Um, but yeah, I hope I don't have to eat my words here because, you know, who knows if Oregon comes off and just starts throwing haymakers, I could look like an idiot, but you know, that's why we do this kind of thing. But yeah, I'm going to roll with the Bruins. Uh, next game, we got LSU at number 12, Ole Miss, um, three thirty game, Ole Miss minus eight and a half over under 77 and a half. There have been some talks. I don't know for sure if Corral is playing or not. So I guess when you make this pick, Mitch, you can base it off of if you think Corral will be in or out. And then, you know, if he's out or in, you can just say, you know, you can avoid that bet because I'm sure things change when you got a backup QB uh, playing. So who you got in this one? Look, I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to just come out and lay it on the table. I think Ole Miss wins regardless of the quarterback, honestly. I'm really, really low on LSU this year. And I think there is something that happens to the psychology of your team when you know that your coach is done after this year. I think that that sense of urgency that is so important in a college football season, and obviously we've talked about LSU is not a playoff team this year. I mean, we'll have to see if they even make it to a bowl game this year. I really don't see LSU doing much of anything the rest of the season. And with that being said, I do think regardless of the quarterbacks, Matt Corral or whoever their backup is, I don't know him by name, I do think the Rebels have that high-powered enough offense to be able to win and cover that one. So I'm going to take them with that. Yeah, this one's hard for me with the whole Corral situation because I despise back of quarterbacks. Um, they're at home. I guess I'll go with 
I'll go with this based on I think Corral plays. I think he, you know, he suits up and he says, you know, we can't lose another game if we want to make uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowl. So I'll go with Ole Miss to win and cover the eight and a half, and I'll take the over if Corral plays. Um, this is all based on if Corral plays. If he does not play, I'd like to circle back to it and, um, you know, kind of second guess it. But I'll roll with Ole Miss to win and cover right now. Uh, Clemson at number 23, Pitt, 330 game. Pitt minus three. It is 2021, and Pitt is favored over Clemson. That is fun to look at. Pitt minus three over under 47 and a half. Mitch, this is a good one, too. Who you got? Listen, I – this is a really, really tough one. I'm not used to seeing Clemson. Like you said, it's 2021, and Pitt is favored by three against Clemson. It's weird, right? Like, we're not used mm-hmm. to seeing that. I really don't know who to go with this one. My heart is telling me Clemson just because I'm so used to them being the Clemson Tigers that we know, and they aren't them this year. So I guess I'm going to go out on a limb here. Haven't watched much Pitt football. I'm going to say take Pitt to cover, man. I mean, I might be walking into a buzzsaw here, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, as I'm looking at this game, I am going to add another play to it. I am also going Pitt to win and cover the minus three. And with that, I think – Taking the over makes sense. I think Pitt, to win and cover this game, there will have to be points put up on the board. Um, I don't trust Pitt's defense, so I think Clemson can score some points. And, you know, it's only 47 and a half, so this is just like a 28-21 ball game, nothing new. Um, I think Pitt's offense does keep it rolling, though. I think Pickett is the dark horse candidate for the Heisman, and I think he has a nice day, so I'll go with Pitt as well. All right, we got two left. Um this is the weirdest one of the week, probably. Number eight, Oklahoma State. My pokes at Iowa State, 330 game. The rattiest rat line that I've seen this year. Iowa State is minus seven. Over under is 47 and a half. Mitch, what you got? Yeah, this, this is a weird one, man. I mean, I know Iowa State is a tough place to play. By the way, I have a fantastic name, the Cyclones. I think that's a badass name for a football team. But, yeah, I mean – I really don't see why that they're favored by a touchdown. I don't have a reason to believe that they will win this game. Um, Oklahoma State has continually impressed me as they've impressed you. I think Okie State's going to win and cover this one. Yeah. Uh, the weird part was, you know, sometimes I like to look at, like, the betting trends online to see, like, what are people looking at. And the one I looked at yesterday had, like, a lot of people, like more than 65% on Iowa State, which is why I was confused. Like, I obviously this is like one of those trap games where I expect everyone to be on Oklahoma State. But, you know, I was, I mean, no matter what this line was, I wasn't going to pick against the Pokes just the way they've been playing. So I will also go Oklahoma State to win and cover plus seven. But, I mean, I in recent memory, I was, our Oklahoma State does struggle with Iowa State. I think last year they beat them by one at home and they're favored by a good amount of points. So, you know, this will be a tough game. Um, they got uh, it will be the Iowa State's offense versus Oklahoma State's defense. Can Oklahoma State's defense slow them down in the run game and you know make them throw the ball over top of them? So we'll see. Uh, last game, USC at number 13, Notre Dame. Man, I wish USC was good because this would be a fun one. Primetime game, 730. Notre Dame minus seven. Over under is 58. Mitch, what you got in this one? Yeah, like you said, it is a real, real bummer that uh, USC is officially – in, when did they fire Clay Helton? Like week three, I think. Yeah, it was, it was it was early. It was after it was after. I don't know their schedule actually. I don't watch much of the Pac-12, but yeah, it was like week two or three for sure. Yeah, listen, when you fire a coach at week three, you are. I mean, you have to be just fully, fully prepared to just 
mail the season in at that point. I think it's really, really hard to win with an interim head coach. You know, Notre Dame having a down year. And like you said, this is this is a bummer because this normally is a fantastic matchup. But, you know, like I said, you have an interim head coach. The team is just in shambles right now. Everyone's focused on the future. You know, are we going to get Urban Meyer after his uh, shenanigans going down in a Columbus bar? Eh, it's possible. But, uh, yeah, ugly year for USC. Notre Dame, not up to par, but uh, I think Notre Dame rolls in this one. I think they win and cover. Yeah, um, I thought this was like the Florida State game at first, uh, but then I realized that Notre Dame was at Florida State when they played. So um, I am going to take Notre Dame to win and cover uh, the minus seven. I just don't see much of USC. I think Notre Dame's offense just going to run all over them and then when they need to. Um, Mitch Mayer, I think that's his name, the big tight end. Um, you know, he's going to be a Michael Mayer. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to roll. Uh, I think he's going to have a career day against USC. I think it's going to be crazy day for him. I mean, he's going to talk, uh, you know, those TJ Hawkinson talks. I don't think he's going to go as high as him, but you know, he's that level of tight end where, you know, we'll see him playing on Sundays and then, uh, Cal Hamilton will make big plays too. So, uh, like I said, I wish this was like primetime USC, Notre Dame, both teams ranked in the top 25, but you know, can't always get that. But I also have three extra picks this week. Toned it down a bit because I can't stand this slate. Um, I'm rolling with your Wolverines minus 23 and a half at home against Northwestern. I think they come off the bye and just roll them probably like a 49 to 10 win. And then I'll take the I'll Alabama Tennessee second quarter. What's up? I'll be I'll be like snoozing by the second quarter because it's yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's not a sweat. Um, Alabama Tennessee under 67 and a half. I think Alabama's defense shuts down the walls and you know i don't expect bama to put up 70 points themselves so i'll take the under in that one and i'll take oregon state plus three at home versus utah i think utah just came off a big win um so i will take oregon state with the points all right the beavers right 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 the beavers the beavers right okay also a good name man you ever seen a beaver in real life i just like their like they're uni. No, I haven't. I don't think, but I they're, I like their uni combination. They're they pretty do. nice. Honestly, like an underrated animal, like a beaver would fuck you up, bro. Like beavers are mean. <laughs> I I hear all these stories from my dad. My dad's just like, yeah, man, I caught this beaver one time. <laughs> all right, get to our last segment of the week. You guys know it as the Gimme Five. This week, we are bringing you our top five football movies. Now, football is a great sport. Movies are awesome, all right? And uh, there's been some fantastic football movies. There's been a lot of good sports movies in general made. Uh, So, Kate, I'm going to send it to you. What's your fifth best football movie of all time? I just have to make an announcement to start. My list is solely based on movies that I have seen. You know, I'm not going to go online and, you know, type in, you know, what are the top ten best football movies and then like pick some ones that I haven't seen. These are solely on ones I've seen. And most of them I've seen before I was like 15 years old, I'd say. So I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched like a football movie, maybe, you know, one online or uh, on TV when I was, you know, in high school, but that's just a disclaimer to start. So number five, I'm going the game plan. Uh, I don't know if many of you remember this, but it was with the rock and massive Pettis. I loved that movie growing up. So like I said, I don't, I don't watch much of football movies, so I'm going to roll with that one at five. 
Hey, that's that's fair. I also watched that movie many, many times. As it was just like just remembering like watching it for the first time, I was like, I really enjoyed that movie. So yeah. based on that like nostalgia, when I see like a clip of it or something, people bring it up on Twitter sometimes. I'm like, you know what? I'll put that in my top five. They'll sneak in there. Look, nostalgia is honestly like the main component of just about all of the movies I pick, especially Number five, I pick Little Giants. You guys haven't seen it. It's a very, very good one. It's a good family movie. You know, you got two brothers, head football coaches. They both coach these peewee football teams. One of them is way better than the other one, at least supposedly. And it's just that classic underdog story. And actually something really, really cool. If you guys haven't seen the movie, they run this play, the Little Giants do, called the Annexation of Puerto Rico. And it was actually ran in the NFL, inspired by that movie. I'm blanking on the team that ran it and when they did. For some reason, I want to say the Carolina Panthers ran it once. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's just really, really cool. And I think whoever came up with that idea to put that in that movie, to see that it actually turned into a real-life football play, that's pretty sick. So I have the Little Giants at number five. Was was that the movie where the kid imagines the toilet paper roll and yeah. he catches it? Yep. Okay, I have seen also, that one. Yeah, that is a good movie. Yeah, also, I like this. Uh, where the receiver has the uh, tar on his hands and he yeah, okay. him off of his jersey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I have seen movie. that one. That is a good movie. Like I said, I've seen all these when I was younger, so I'll come back to you probably. Uh, number four, I'm going with The Blind Side. Uh, just a good family movie, um, good storyline. Uh, like I said, uh, most of these I've seen when I was younger. I do watch The Blind Side, or I have when it was on multiple times. I think it's a good movie. A little cheesy, but, you know, that's my number four. Kate loves him some Sandra Bullock. I do love some Sandra Bullock. I will not be, not be afraid to say that anytime. All right. My number four, my, 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 my mama said I like Waterboy, right? It's just one of Adam Sandler's absolute classic. The man plays foosball like nobody else has ever played foosball before. And, hey, like, let's be real here. The stereotypical, like, backwoods, you know, swamp-living Louisiana hillbilly is probably one of the best stereotypes to base a movie off of. You just get great content. I mean, if you're a degenerate like me who just laughs at stupidity. Um, and fried alligator, bro. Fried alligator. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Water boy it for. <laughs> I do like Waterboy too. I have seen that one. Uh, three, I'm going Friday Night Lights. I know it's bigger as a uh, TV show now, but the movie itself, you know, it's a great movie. Um, the old uh, coin toss in the bar. That was, that's an interesting scene. It's always tenser than it probably should be. But, you know, I like Friday Night Lights. I think it's a good, you know, high school football, football movie. So that'll be my number three. Number three, I have any any given Sunday. This is actually one of the more serious football movies uh, that you're going to see out there. Uh, I mean, it, it is absolutely a family movie, but it, it kind of gives you that. Uh, I guess I'm not going to say real life because I would say, you know, if we're talking real life, I would say more of like a draft day type, type scenario. And I'm, I'm talking about the movie, not draft day, you know, actual draft day. But uh, you know, you got yeah, Al Pacino, you got Jamie Fox, you got Cameron Diaz. That's a loaded squad, loaded cast for a, a movie about football. And anytime you put three good actors like that together, I think you're bound to get something good. You throw in the sport of football, which I am just a sucker for, and you end up on my top three of, give me five, of uh, favorite football movies. So any given Sunday for me. I am also a fan of Cameron Diaz, believe it or not. 
Oh, re- oh, really? <laughs> yes, I am. Absolutely. I never called that one, man. Great actor. Great actor. Is it because she's attractive? Uh, I, I, you know, I just love her work. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Very professional. Yes. Yes. Um, number two, I'm going with the longest yard, but the remake with Adam Sandler. I think, you know, I'll have the old people yelling at me with like the bad news bears, new one and the longest yard, the longest yard, uh, both of the remakes, I think. You know, the oldies are be like, oh, the old ones are so much better. But, you know, I just, you know, Chris Rock, um, uh, Adam Sandler, Nelly, you know, just like an interesting cast in the movie itself is just phenomenal. Um, I, I thought about putting it at one, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those movies where if it's on, I'm more than likely I'm sitting down and I'm watching it. And I'm uh, not including whatever plans I had for the next hour, hour and a half. The Longest Yard is my plans for the rest of the day. So. Yeah, I'll put that too. That's that's fair. All right, yeah. Number two for me, I got Remember the Titans. This is just an absolute classic. You know, you look at the time frame that Remember the Titans was shot in, you know, race relations, you know, segregation and stuff like that. Obviously, we have made immense progress as a country, as a society in that field. But I think it would be just flat out false to say that, uh, you know, the political climate of America now and the political climate of America back when Remember the Titans was uh, set in, you know, you, you can draw some similarities there. And I, I think it's just, you know, it's just a great movie about how sports can bring people together, regardless of backgrounds, regardless of race. And it's just, uh, it's a very good movie. And it's also very heartwarming. You know, it's something that it's a feel good watch, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I got Remember the Titans that one for me. Um, it's one of those movies where if you haven't seen it, even if you're not a football fan, you should watch it because you will end up enjoying the movie. Um, it is an eye-opening movie, and it is one like the longest year where I'll watch it as well if it's on TV. You know, I just like, you know, sometimes you forget the bits and pieces that go along with that movie, and you want to, you know, remember it again. You know, remember the Titans. Uh-huh, very funny, but. Uh, you want to be able to like relive that uh, movie, and you know, uh, like it's the first time. You know, you got those movies that you watch for the first time, and you're like, "Damn, like, I like that movie a lot." And that's one of those ones where you watch *Remember the Titans*, you remember how good it is. So that's why it's locked in there at number one for me. And it would they would have to make a damn good movie for it to never be number one for me as in terms of football movies. My number one is Rudy. Uh, Kate, you know, I, I'm feeling a certain way that this movie didn't even make your top five of football movies. I, I've, my opinion on you as a person, I, uh, I have some questions. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But anyways, you know, Rudy, just uh, another one of those just real feel-good movies, you know. Just, uh, I mean, hey, it, it's at one point in our lives, it was every kid's dream to play. Maybe not for me, it wasn't to play football at Notre, Notre Dame, but it was to play football at Michigan, you know. And I'm sure you had your dreams when you were a little bit younger. And it's just like, you know, Rudy is the personification of that dream coming true. You know, you got a guy working hard, not able to get into the school. He's a tackling dummy on the practice squad. And he finally gets in to, you know, to wear the golden helmet. He gets a sack against, I think it was Georgia Tech, I think. And, you know, the ending of them, you know, carrying him off the field, chanting his name, I, it's, it gives me goosebumps to this day. You can catch me watching that movie when I'm 80 years old, probably have a little bit of tears in my eyes. And then uh, just a little bit, hey, my guy John Favreau, first ever performance. He played Rudy's best friend. He's the man. He's, he's pulling, the, uh, pulling the Star Wars community out of the dump. He's a hero. So I like John Favreau. I like Rudy. 
number one. Yeah, I'm a Rudy hater. I don't. I'll just say it, leave it at that. I just don't think it's a great movie. Why? I just think it's like it's just too long. Like it takes too long to get to the point for me. Emotions. I I don't enjoy it. Like yeah, sure. Yeah, I I don't disagree with like the feel good part of it. I just like it's not in my top five. You know, I just I just don't I don't enjoy it like I do some of these other movies that I have on here. Kay's a very questionable person now. Very questionable person. I also, I, I I can't tell you like I probably watched Rudy last time in like high school, so you know. I don't. I okay. That, that's one thing I can say. I do not remember the last time I watched it, but I have seen it like. A, I have I have I seen it multiple times. times. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not. Like, it's not like Rudy hater. I mean, I like I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. I just don't love it like other people do. And I know there's people in the same place in the same boat as I am, but. There's some people that like absolutely despise the movie and like, like anytime they see it on or anytime they see a tweet about it, they'll just like go on a rant. Like I'm not that type of person, but you know, I just don't love it. You know, we should, we should talk to some of our movie insiders here at rise network, you know, Matt, Matt Issa, Ben get, get their opinions because I, I would, you know what? That is a great idea. I, I would they, actually like to know what they would think. I would, because these guys somehow have the time to watch a movie every day. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? Just a new review every day. I dude, I don't know how the hell they do it. I barely have time to like keep up with myself in this life. So, Hey, we're, we're going to have to get the movie insiders review. Why exactly is Kayla Witzke's brain so disjointed that he doesn't have Rudy in his top five football movies of all time. <laughs> But, but I will give those guys a shout out. They do a great job when they do review those movies. And I've also used some of those reviews and went and watched uh, some of the movies that they've, uh, you know, made good reviews on. And I've loved the movies so far. So shout out to those two um, for putting in the time and effort to make our lives easier when choosing a movie. Cause that's always the toughest part for me is, you know, spending 30 minutes on Netflix and then, well, I'm watching the same thing over and over again. So I, oh, God, it's the worst part is to find something <laughs> to watch. All right. We're going to wrap the episode there. You can find, find the movie reviews like we were talking about on our social media. All of our social media is at Rise Network US. You want to find us on our website. That's www.risenetworkus.com. We're going to leave it here today and we'll catch you guys back here next Friday for another episode of Natty Talk with a way better slate. It's going to be rival yeah. again. It's going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss it. Kade, do you have anything to leave with the people? Since my Spartans are on by, go folks. Need to see them undefeated too. So hopefully that rat line doesn't mess them up too much. But enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you back here Friday for a great one. See you guys.